This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Harper Audio presents the opening scenes from Lorraine Hansberry's play, To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. My name is Lorraine Hansberry. I'm a writer. I suppose I think that the highest gift that man has is art. And I am audacious enough to think of myself as an artist. That uh, there is both joy and beauty and illumination and communion between people to be achieved through the dissection of personality. That's what I want to do. I want to reach a little closer to the world, which is to say to people, and uh, see if we can share some illuminations together about each other. You look young this morning, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just for a second. Stirring them eggs. You looked real young again. It's gone now. You look like yourself again. Man, if you don't shut up and leave me alone... First thing a man ought to learn in life is not to make love to no colored woman the first thing in the morning. Y'all some evil people at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, Walter Lee. Oh, Walter Lee. You're tired, ain't you? You're tired of everything. Me, the boy, the way we live. But you wouldn't do nothing to help, would you? Walter, please leave me alone. A man needs for a woman to back him up. Walter, eat your eggs. They're going to be cold. That's it. There you are. Man say to his woman, I got me a dream. His woman say, eat your eggs. Man say, I got to change my life. I'm choking to death, baby. And his woman say, your eggs is getting cold. That is just what is wrong with the colored woman in this world. Well, being a colored woman, I guess I just can't help myself none. Eat your eggs, Walter. Damn my eggs. Damn all the eggs that ever was. I happen to believe that most people, and this is where I differ from many of my contemporaries, or at least as they express themselves, I think that... Virtually every human being is dramatically interesting. Not only is he dramatically interesting, he is a creature of stature, whoever he is. A divorce? <laughs> a divorce, Sydney. For what? Because a husband is unfaithful? <laughs> oh, don't act surprised. You know, sometimes I think you kids down here in the village really believe your own notions of what the rest of the human race is like. There are no squares, sweetheart. Everybody is his own hipster. Believe me when I tell you. And what else could I do? In this world, there are two kinds of loneliness. With a man and without one. I picked. And let's face it, I cannot type. I was on his date once, Sid. He had a, a book of reproduction by Goya. And there was this one, an etching, I think. 
Have you ever seen it? There's this woman, a Spanish peasant woman, and she's standing there like this, reaching out. And what she's reaching out for are the teeth of a dead man, a man who's been hanged. And she is rigid with revulsion, but she wanted his teeth because it said in the book that that in those days people thought that the teeth of the dead were good luck. Could you imagine that? The things that people think they have to do to survive in this world. Someday I'm going to buy that print. All about my life. Child, when do you think is the time to love somebody the most? When they've done good and, and made things easy for everybody. Hmm? Well, then, you ain't through learning. Because that ain't the time at all. It's when he's at his lowest and he can't believe in himself because the world's done whipped him so. Honey, when you start measuring somebody, measure them right, child. Measure them right. You make sure you done taken into account the hills and the valleys he's come through before he got to wherever he is. Good evening. I am very pleased to have been invited to be a part of this program. And I hope it isn't premature. <laughs> that is, this is a writer's conference. A black writer's conference. I am clearly black, but I'm not yet sure how much of a writer I am. <laughs> I suppose I've been invited because my first play will be opening soon. In any case, let's presume I am a writer. I was born on the south side of Chicago. I was born black and a female. I was born in a depression after one world war and came into my adolescence during another. And while I was still in my teens, the first atom bombs were dropped on human beings. I have been personally the victim of physical attack which was the offspring of racial and political hysteria. I have lost friends and relatives through cancer, lynching and wars, drug addiction, alcoholism, mental illness. And I have come to maturity, as we all must, knowing that greed and malice, brutality, indifference and Perhaps above all else, ignorance abound in this world. I say all of this here now so that you know that what I have written and what I write from now on is not based on the assumption of idyllic possibilities or innocent assessments of the true nature of life, but rather my own personal view that all this considered, it is still not unthinkable to me that the human race might just do what the apes never will, impose the reason for life 
on life. Travelers to my city should ride the elevated trains that race along the back ways of Chicago. The lives you could look into. I think you could find the temple of my people on their back porches. porches that sag and look their danger, dirty gray wood steps, and always a line of white and pink clothes scrubbed so well, waving in the dirty wind of the city. My people are poor. And they are tired. And they are determined to live. Our south side is a place apart. Each piece of our living is a protest. State of Illinois, Department of Health, Division of Vital Statistics, Certificate of Birth, Registration Number 21383, Date of Birth, May 19, 1930. Place, County of Cook, Chicago, full name of child. Lorraine Hansberry. Sex, female, legitimate? Yes. Father. Carl A. Hansberry, 5330 Calumet Avenue. Father's color, Negro. Correction, black. Father's birthplace. Glaston, Mississippi. Present occupation? United States Deputy Marshal. Hmm. Mother. Nanny Perry. Color? Negro. Correction. Black. Number of children of this mother, born alive and now living? Four. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of Harper Collins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly and Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet. This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Harper Audio presents Scenes from To Be Young, Gifted, and Black, a play by Lorraine Hansberry. I remember skinny little south side bodies by the fives and tens of us panting the delicious hours away. And the voice of authority. Yes, you may. You may take one giant step. One drew in all one's breath and tightened one's fist and pulled the small body against the heavens, stretching, straining all the muscles in the legs to make one giant step.
daddy would lie on his back, as fathers must, and explain about how men thought the stars above us came to be, and how far away they were. I never did learn to believe that anything could be as far away as that. Especially the stars. My mother once took us south to visit her Tennessee birthplace one summer when I was, oh, seven or eight. <laughs> I woke up while we were still driving through some place called Kentucky. And my mother was pointing out to the beautiful hills and telling my brothers about how her father had run away and hidden from his master in those very hills when he was a little boy. She said that his mother had wandered among the wooded slopes in the moonlight and left food for him in secret places. They were very beautiful hills, and I looked out at them for miles and miles after that, wondering who and what her master might be. I remember being startled when I first saw my grandmother rocking away on her porch. <laughs> All my life I had heard that she was a great beauty. <laughs> but no one had ever remarked that they meant a half century before. The woman that I met was as wrinkled as a prune and could hardly hear and barely see and always seemed to be thinking of other times. Ah, but she could still rock and talk and even make wonderful cupcakes, which were like cornbread, only sweet. <laughs> she died the next summer, and that was all I remember about her, except that she was born in slavery and had memories of it. And they didn't sound anything like Gone with the Wind. Hannibal! <laughs> Hannibal, where you at? Hannibal, stop playing now. <laughs> Hannibal! Gotcha. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> When she come to me, it was a moon rise. And when she touched my hand, it was a true star's falling. Hannibal, Hannibal, what you always running off for all the time? You want to catch yourself another whipping, boy? Don't run off all the time. Hannibal, Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal, Hannibal. <laughs> what you got there? Hannibal, Master, find out you done stole that Bible. You're going to be in trouble bad. You mean you was born in trouble, Master? Well, what you think the Lord think of somebody that would steal the holy book itself? What do you think I would do with the Bible, Sarah? Sarah, I can read it. Oh, shucks. I can. I can read, sir. Listen. The book of 
Jeremiah. Oh, you can't make them marks out for real. You've been memorizing from prayer meetings. No, Sarah. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then would I fly away and be at rest. Ooh, that's where you go all the time. Somebody's been learning you. Don't you know what they do to you if they find out? Ain't nobody gonna find out. Hey, look at there. What? Look at that big old fat star shining way up under there. One, two, three, four. It makes up the dipper. That's the big dipper, Sarah. The old drinking gourd itself. Pointing straight to the North Star. Sure is bright tonight. Sure it makes good traveling light tonight. Shh, Hannibal. Up there pointing due north. Stop it. Follow the drinking gourd. Follow the drinking gourd. For the old man's a waiting for to carry you to freedom. slave I could stand to be, a bad one. Every day that come and every hour that pass that I got sense to make uh, half a step do for a whole, every day that I can pretend sickness instead of health and to be stupid instead of smart and lazy instead of quick, I aims to do it. 
And the more pain he gives the master, and the more it costs him, the more Hannah will be a man. The way I look at it, every slave ought to run off before he died. I couldn't go, Hannibal. I'm too delicate. My breath wouldn't hold out from here to the river. No. Got you scarified as you is. Hannibal, wait. Don't you worry, little Sarah. I'll be back. I'll come back and buy you. Mama, too. If she's still living. I'll surely do that thing. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kHz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly & Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet. This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Harper Audio presents scenes from Lorraine Hansberry's To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. Hansberry draws on her own experience to portray racial tension in the early 1960s. I recall being the only child in my classes who did not come from the Rooseveltian atmosphere of the homes of the 30s. Father ran for Congress as a Republican. He believed in American private enterprise and, among other things, amassed in, in terms of our community, a fortune. Though actually he had merely become a reasonably successful businessman of the middle class. But we are all shaped, are we not? By that particular rim of the soup bowl where we swim. And I have remained throughout the balance of my life a creature formed in a community atmosphere where I was known as a rich girl. In any case, my mother sent me to kindergarten in white fur in the middle of the depression the kids beat me up and i think it was from that moment i became a rebel Mother was the largest of all the boxes. She had noticed it for days. And when at last the morning came and she was allowed to rip asunder the smooth white tissue paper, 
The child could do nothing but sit stunned. The grown-ups oohed and odd. They touched the fur. They congratulated the mother. And all the while, the child sat half ill with the outrage that had been committed against her Christmas. She was compelled to stand up, a small, angry mannequin in her pajamas, while the coat was first lovingly shaken and then thrust upon her frame and buttoned to her chin. Then the muff was placed on her fists. Now she was ready, and she was made to walk up and down so that the grown-ups could ooh and ah yet another chorus. At the hall mirror, she saw herself. She looked exactly like one of the enormous, stupid rabbits in her silly coloring books. She hated those rabbits. Several tears, fat and lush, rose at once and spilled down her cheeks and past her tight lips until they dripped directly onto the ermine. But the oohs and ahs prevailed. Swathed in white, she was sent to school. The children of the ghetto promptly set upon her with fist and inkwell. And ever since that day, I have been antagonistic to the symbols of affluence. In fact, after that day, I chose my friends with intense fascination from among my assailants. Now, there had been an aspect of the society of kids from the ghetto which demanded utmost respect. They fought. The girls as well as the boys, they fought. If you were not right with them, there they were after school waiting for you. A little gang of them in their gym shoes blocking off the sidewalk. Face to face with the toughest, the dialogue began. She say, you say, I wear dirty underwear. Oh, I didn't say that. Who you calling a liar? Calling nobody a liar. Yes, you are. You said you didn't say what I said she said you said. I didn't. See? She just said it again. Hit her! Dreadful things generally ensued after that. A sudden blow, or one's entire person seized in a hostile embrace of fury and thrown to the sidewalk where the pebbly texture of the concrete cut into the elbows and the knees. But above all, the sheer terror of it, the fact of violence. Southside Chicago and William Shakespeare. I remember we had to memorize speeches from Macbeth and Julius Caesar, all under the auspices of a strange and bewigged teacher whom we naturally and cruelly christened Pale Hecate. God rest her gentle, enraptured, and igniting soul. You do not read nor speak nor write the English language. I suspect that you do not even think in it. God only knows in what language you do think. Or if you think at all. <laughs> Tis true, the English have done little enough with the tongue, but being the English, I suspect it was the best that they could do. In any case, 
I'll have it learned properly before eleven one of you'll pass out of this class that I will. As for you, miss. As for you, indeed. Surely you will recognize a third letter of the alphabet when you've seen it. See? I. A C it is. Well, you're a bright and clever one now, after all, aren't you, lad? <laughs> and now, my brilliance. Would you also be informing us as to what a grade signifies when it is thus put upon the page? Average. Average. Yes. Yes. And what else in your case, my iridescence? Well, then I'll be telling you in fine order. It stands for cheat, my luminous one. For them that will do half. When all is called for, for them that will slip and slide through life at the edge of their minds, never once pushing into the interior to see what wonders are hiding there, content to drift along on whatever gets them by, cheating themselves, cheating the world, cheating nature. That is what the sea means, my dear child. My pet. <laughs> ah. My laziest queen of the Ethiopes. Shakespeare, a source of comfort and agitation so bound together that they are inseparable. But Shakespeare notwithstanding, neither Pale Hecate nor anyone else could bring much comfort on that agitated day of the race riot at school. Oh, yes. I remember and will never forget. From that day, the well-dressed colored students, like myself, had stood amusedly around, simply staring at the mob of taunting whites and showing not the least inclination to a certain racial class. Then had come the veterans, volunteers from Wendell Phillips High School, carloads of them, waving baseball bats. The word had gone into the ghetto. The old phase are all striking, beaten up and raped and colored girls under the vine ducks out south. Yeah, we better go because them little chicken shit niggas out there ain't about to fight. And so they had come, pouring out of the bowels of the ghetto. The children of the unqualified oppressed. The children of the black working class in their costumes of pig pants and cock heads and tight skirts and violent language. And worst of all, colored anklets held up by rubber bands. Yes, they had come and they had fought. It had taken the mayor and the visit of a famous movie star to get everyone's mind on other things again. He had been terribly handsome and full of speeches on tolerance. <laughs> and had also given a lot of autographs. But she had been unimpressed. She never could forget one thing. They had fought back. 
This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly and Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet. This is the Internet Multicasting Service. Harper Audio presents an excerpt from Lorraine Hansberry's To Be Young, Gifted, and Black. In these scenes, Hansberry dramatizes her discovery of the culture of Africa. snow could have coaxed Candace from the warmth of the fire and the crossword puzzle. The glorious, cold, clean Wisconsin snow. Certainly not classes. She stood now on the high slope above the student union. To hell with Fine Arts 103. Broigle would have chosen these hills. The black trees of winter. The evergreens. And the snow. In two years of college, only this did not disappoint. The snow. What was it about the snow? Was the European part of her bloodstream Viking, perhaps? The slave masters, great-grandfathers of hers who had forced themselves upon her slave great-grandmothers. Who were they? Candace knew only that she was of that composition that defined many, if not most, American Negroes. The continents of the world met in her blood. Africa, Europe, and Aboriginal America. Still, one did not hear of Viking slave owners particularly. As for the African part, she spent hours of her younger years poring over maps of the African continent, postulating and fantasizing. Ibo, Bandingo, Hausa, Yoruba, Shante, Kikuyu. One thing was certain. She was at one. Texture, blood, follicles of the hair, nerve ends, all with the sound of a mighty Congo drum. And there she stood now, in the snow, thinking perhaps that the poles of the earth had met in her, until she realized suddenly that she was not alone on the slope. <laughs> he was wearing a neat, thin, and distinctly unkempished coat, and uh, he was not a Viking. If you're that cold, why on earth stand out here? It is cold everywhere in your country. At least here, it is beautiful. 
It is cold everywhere out of doors in my country. We do have steam heat. I'm willing to go in if you will have tea with me. Tea? Tea, she thought. And the accent. She thought of Casablanca and intrigue and Ingrid Bergman and black men peering out from white blankets in the desert. She would try his tea. Well, don't you care? About what, my dear? Uh, about Africa, the liberation. Millions of black men marching, singing, carrying their leaders on their shoulders. I expect you've seen only thousands at the most so far. And the shoulders of other men is not a very good place for leaders. Were you in the resistance? Uh, what resistance? Against the Italians! I was four years old then. My uh, cell was never called into action. Why are you like that? Like what? Well, so disparaging about all the big things. You are serious enough about them for both of us, I think. Six serious hours later, she arrived back at the dorm, filled to bursting and savoring every detail she would have for Mary Ella. She was sure of it now. He hadn't said it, but the look was unmistakable in his eyes. Manasse had his ties with the liberation. And, moreover, right in the middle of page 238 of Facing Mount Kenya, he had closed the book and kissed her. That ought to hold good old Mariella. Well, there are no new stars in the heavens, are there? Well, 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 boy, that's what I hate about these intellectual-type friendships. Doesn't he wear anything? Don't you? Oh. Mariella, you're going to have to have an abortion and all that. Oh, nope, I am not going to have it. I want the baby. You do? Yes, I do. That's why I didn't use anything, as you put it. I wanted it to happen. You did? I did, and I do. Listen, Ken, I am very, very happy. And Carl is, too. I think he is. And if it works out, we'll be married. And, uh, if it doesn't, we won't. But, Mariella, what are you going to do with it? Take it to class with you every day? I am going to quit, stupid. I found out what I wanted in college. For the rest, I can read. I can read? And that is what you said. Appalling. What in the name of God are you talking about? Mariella is my best friend, a perfectly marvelous girl. Then you really think her behavior is acceptable for a decent young woman? Her behavior? You think she got that way just by letting him 
stare at her or something? Well, of course, she's responsible. But one only presumes in the first place with certain kinds of girls. Oh, the old North African version of the double standard, hey? The boys can, but the girls can't. Oh, long live the Industrial Revolution. Long live the United States. Long live the Kinsey Report. Society has to make some rules to protect itself, to protect children. Listen, haven't you ever heard of contraceptives? What do you think they are for? I haven't the least intention of discussing this matter with a young woman I respect. <laughs> and you call yourself a revolutionary? Well, I'll bet uh, you at least half the girls on this campus have them, diaphragms, and use them, and it's growing all the time. And well, when the pill comes in, all the excuses will be over then. Women will be exactly as free as men. Long live Would you have done that? If I had asked it. Oh. Well. Well. Not after talking about it like this and everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> I truly did not mean to embarrass you. Sex does not embarrass me. Listen. Were you just trying to get information just now? I mean, when you asked me what you did, or were you asking me to? Well, I don't know with you. With an American boy, that would have been a sneaky lead-up, you know. I was getting information. It would be against my principles to sleep with you under the present circumstances. Mind you, I said my principles. Do not take it in your head that every Ethiopian would therefore feel the same. She had not planned it earlier, but now she made up her mind. In behalf of American women and uh, world emancipation, she would change his mind about a number of things. Nice girls and bad girls belonged in the Middle Ages, and uh, she was going to bring one gorgeous black knight without armor into the 20th century. This has been Harper Audio. Harper Collins is the copyright owner of this recording and has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright laws to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of Harper Collins Publishers Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio is provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly and & Associates. Network connectivity for the Internet Multicasting Service is provided by UUNet Technologies and MFS Datanet.